I'm Gab, he's Jules. Dark skies and clouds over yes. West London. Probably appropriate given what's happening at Chelsea. We're going to get into that with uh, Romelu Lukaku's move to Inter. Plenty more to get into. By the way, Jules, this is our last show oh. before summer hiatus. Oh. I know, we're going to make it a special one already with a shirt. You can already see how special it is. Yeah. Let's start at the top. Romelu Lukaku has agreed a deal to move back to uh, to Inter. Uh, it's a loan deal. It's a one-year loan deal. They the numbers out there, it's right around 8 million euros plus up to 2 million euros in performance-related bonuses. Uh, as I've mentioned before, and I think people haven't made as much of a deal out of it as they should, he is taking a 30% pay cut. That's right. On top of that, because he's moving before June 30th, Inter can take advantage of this special, ta- complicated, and boring tax deal that I'm not going to get into. <laughs> yeah. But basically, he's going to cost Inter, I think, slightly less than what he cost them when he was there the first time around. This is a player who Chelsea bought for 113 million euros a year ago. The loan fee is not even going to cover the amortization. I mean, the wage is off the books for a year. From an accounting standpoint, team building standpoint, this is a disaster, yeah? It is a disaster. It's a shame because I think he had everything to not be a disaster, to be good, him coming back. And it seemed that was European champions with a lot of momentum, with really good squad, a really good coach in the Premier League where he still had things to prove, I think. It was all, all perfect. And I think a lot of us f- almost fell for it. And in the end, it was a disaster. It's not completely his fault. He still finished as the top scorer for Chelsea last season with 15 goals in all competition, which is not, not enough and not many. Maybe for a player of his caliber, there was a lot of things that happened through the season. But you have to say, this deal, and usually we always have to see a deal like that for the three parties. For him, this is what he wanted. He wanted to go back. This is a place where he's been obviously very successful before. So this is a good deal for him. Even if he had to take a pay cut, it's still a very good deal. He's still going to earn a lot of of money anyway. For Inter, it's an incredible (laughs) deal, considering how much money they made of selling him and what a bargain that they have now. It's for Chelsea, it's a, it's a terrible deal, but a deal that they had to make because there was no point for them keeping him anyway. Okay, this is one of the things that I want to understand, and if I'm Todd Bowley, I want to understand, right? I've just arrived, Marina has left, and we'll be talking about that mm-hmm. later, as has Bruce Buck. I asked myself, wait a minute, Thomas, you were here last summer. Who thought this was a good idea? I know that Inter desperately needed to sell yeah. to, to balance the books. Who at this club thought this was a good idea? Who assessed the chances that Lukaku would become would be coming here and then you know maybe would be unhappy and give that interview to Sky or whatever? Who assessed Lukaku's fitness because you know you could never know 100 percent, but you mm. know clubs go and they, they evaluate that when they make an offer. And then did we put Lukaku in the best possible conditions to succeed? And it's not just about blame. You know, people now are putting out this narrative, ooh, there's pressure on Thomas Tuchel after he agreed this. Thomas Tuchel doesn't buy players on his own. He doesn't set the budget on his own. But if I'm Bully, I want to understand this because I need to know, I need to hold people accountable so that these mistakes don't happen again in in, in the future. Exactly. Not for Lukaku, not to look into the past, but you're right for that. This, for that thing, that kind of transfer not happening again. You need to understand where the mistake or where the mistakes were made or, or was made, who is responsible. But again, it's not too, it can happen. You, so many clubs bought the wrong players. But this is a spectacular but failure. This is, though. this is an, an extreme, incredible disaster. You, know, you, you can't do it with 100 million 
player. You you simply cannot no. afford to have a screw up of this magnitude. Of this magnitude, because you can sign a hundred million player, like we said with Coutinho, with Dembele, yeah. over the length of their contract or half of it, it doesn't work out. But on a, such a short term, so sh such a short term period, such a big investment to crash like that is never seen before. I think. From Inter's perspective, we're seeing the Lukaku. Lautaro partnership, the Lula get the back Lula together again, yeah. uh, with some Champions League action as well. Yeah. Um, they, they, they're moving for some younger players, obviously uh, Belanova, Lasani. Have they just made a substantial step forward? And will that be undermined if, as many people have suggested, they're going to have to sacrifice one of their big hitters, whether Bastoni or Barella yeah. or whatever? Yeah, Oscarina. I think there's one big deal that we'll have to make, to make done, to, to be done for them. Let go. If it's Crenia, I think it's maybe less damaging than if it's Barella 100%, or Bastoni. Yeah. And I think this is the way it will go. And in PSG, they find the, the perfect client in a way. But it's compared to last season, even if you lose Crenia, but you gain Lukaku and Aslani and Belanova and the others, you lost Perisic as well. But Di Marco can do a job. You might have other options. Well, and you have Robin Gossens. And you have Gossens, who at some point would be fully fair and hopefully at the level that he was at Talanta. You're a better team. But Gab... Do you, do you think he really wanted to come back? In the sense that he was really happy clearly in Milan and Inter and they were having something very good there. I know when he, when he joined Chelsea, he said all the right things, but he was always going to do like, you know, this is the club I supported when I was a kid because of Drogba, because of this, I've got a point to prove, all of that, okay, I get it. But do you think that he really, because maybe that's also part of the problem. Maybe he came back, but didn't really come back and didn't really want to be there in the first place, which is sort of a feeling. I, I love Rom so much. I interviewed him after the Arsenal game when he scored that first goal. It was his debut. He was, everything looked so great. And I, I really, I have a lot of time for him. But at times this season, I saw him and I saw his body language and from what the, you know, the dressing room was saying, it, was, it felt like maybe, maybe part of the problem was that he never really actually wanted to be there. I think this is one of those mysteries, uh, and <clears throat> I'll walk you through the mystery, but before that, I need to make a point. Whether he wants to be there or not, it, he's a professional footballer. He has a World Cup coming up in 18 months when he moved, where mm -hmm. he did. This isn't an excuse. This isn't, we've all had jobs. We've all had to do yeah, things we don't no, no, like. I know, I know. You know, was he, was, he, was he like doing cartwheels when he was sent on loan to West Brom or whatever? Probably not. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think that, that is definitely very, very secondary. But I think you make a great point because this is a big part of the narrative. You can't have it both ways. So the official story that Lukaku would put out, Lukaku's people would put out, is Inter had to sell me. Inter had to sell me. I left for the good of Inter because they desperately needed that money to balance mm. the books and so on. Um, so that would aligned with what you said. You yeah. know, he didn't really want to come back, but Inter had to sell him. But then you have the line from the Ultras, and he had such a tight relationship with Inter's Ultras. I mean, really tight. Yeah. Um, and the Ultras say, well, hang on a minute. You're a professional footballer. You have a contract. You know, you're not, you're not a piece of property. You can say no. You can say, I'm going to stay. You can say, sell somebody else. The Ultras actually said, like, Sell Lautaro, sell Barella. You know, we love Lukaku. I mean, not sell Barella, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, we love Lukaku so much. That, like, why is he the guy you have to sell? You know, you can't. And, and, and I think there is some truth in that, right? It, yeah, it's it's a fine line you're walking. You either come out and say, I really want to stay, but for the good of the club, they asked me to go and I'm leaving. I'm maybe you can kind of thread the needle that way. Yeah. 
you know, and then you add, oh, but I'm lucky because I'm going back to Chelsea where I was before, blah, 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 and I love London and yada, yada, yada. But it's a very, very, mm. and I think he told the ultras, and again, when we talk about the ultras, we're talking about a large group of people, some of whom I don't think are necessarily that level-headed. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, I didn't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm not going. I'm staying with you. This is my home now. Yeah. Um, and it is his home. I mean, he's kept his house and everything. So I think it's a really difficult one. I don't think we know. Certainly from the ultras perspective, um, they put out, and I think some, there's an argument to be made we pay too much attention to this, but they put out uh, a statement where they said, look, we're not going to boo Lukaku, mm-hmm. but we're not going to support him either. Nobody's going to wear any kind of Lukaku shirt or Lukaku t-shirt. Yeah. He starts from zero. He's not the king anymore. Yeah, he he's not the king zero. anymore. Yeah. yeah, he starts from zero. And he's going to have to rebuild this relationship from zero. He's going to have to prove himself. You know, which I think is also, guys, let's live in the real world. You know, these guys are professionals. You, yeah. you know the situation at Inter. You know, should he not have said that I'm definitely staying? I don't know. Um, but what I think is interesting is, and people have suggested this, about what happens if he has a good season, Yeah. right? I mean, let's go through the different scenarios, right? He has a good season, scores 25, 30 goals, and he says, I want to stay at Inter. And Chelsea say, okay, now what? Can you loan him again? Of course. Chelsea could loan him again, but Chelsea are going to be in a situation where they have zero leverage yeah. because... You know, he wants to be there. He says he wants to be there. If you're Chelsea, you know, you can fix a price if you like. And maybe it'll be different if Lukaku, maybe Lukaku leave, but maybe Tuchel's gone. Maybe Roberto Martinez comes yeah, in yeah, after winning yeah, the yeah. World Cup. Maybe yeah. all of that changes. But otherwise, Chelsea have very little little leverage because no if that's way. where he is, he's got the contract, it's where he wants to be. If Inter says, oh, sorry, I'm only going to pay you $5 million. Yeah, there's no way Inter could pay, even in a year time, up to 70 or $80 million. No. It won't ha- be, they won't be in that position unless they sold. No, I think it's impossible. But Inter would. I mean, it would be so stupid for Inter because he's going to be in his 30s at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, um, you know, Inter could eventually get him at a knockdown price. But, you know, I bring up the, the boring argument of, of amortization, right? He's costing yeah. them $22 million. So in two years' time, the amortization is going to be $66 million um, from, is that right? Six, yeah, is it yeah, around $66, yeah. $68 million from Chelsea's perspective. But again, if you're Inter... I don't want to take him and his massive contract with another three years left. That's true. You know, That's they true. might be yeah. like, I'll give you 20 million. <laughs> you know, So it's a really yeah. horrendous position that Chelsea are in um, financially for, from that perspective. And, okay, the good news is they're saving themselves his wages for, for this season. And, yeah, you know, which is a lot. It is a lot. It's well over 300,000 pounds a week. But they would um, have to... Pay another striker. They're going to sign another striker, right? They can't go on like this. That, to me, is an interesting question. I think they have two options. So the question is, do you continue with Havertz as your center forward and sign a backup? You know, a big body, and you've got one in Armando Broja, yeah, yeah. who, as you know, I really, really like. Yeah, me too. And he can kind of be the Tammy Abraham of the situation, um, you know, in terms of role, not necessarily characteristics. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you go back in the market and you spend serious money, hang on a minute. This club have other, has other priorities. This club is still two central defenders down, possibly three central yeah. defenders down, if Espiriqueta doesn't doesn't extend. Yeah. On top of that, I go back to this, I think you have a problem in midfield because 
Conte gets injured all the time. I mean, yeah. all the time. Right, 50% of the season. Yeah. And Jorginho's now 31 or whatever. You know, he's, he's not getting any younger. No. Saul is gone. Not that he made much of a difference. You know, do you, do you tell, uh, do you go and tell Tuchel, oh, yeah, make it work with Billy Gilmore? You know, they've been trying all summer long to sell Loftus-Cheek. Yeah. To tell him make it work with Loftus-Cheek or Ross Barkley. I don't think these are terrible players. No, no, and I think no. <laughs> I, I would go to Tuchel and say, Tommy, we can't have everything, right? You want to do this deal with a striker? Fine. But then are you prepared? These aren't bad players. Can you make them into good yeah, players? Yeah, no, of course. I, of course. It's just a ton of pressure on them. And on top of that, what are we hearing? They're constantly linked with wingers. Sterling, Dembele, yeah. this whole conversation with people who think Dembele is exactly what they need because they need wingers. Maybe they do, but then maybe you I change the system. Do. Yeah, I think he will do. You think you think he's going to go four two three one? Yeah, or four three three. It will depend on who they can attract, of course, and the kind of players they can. I don't think they can sign three centre backs, Gab. This this transfer window, it's not possible. Not the ones they want. Not with the money they have. They will have to spend four hundred million euros, which they're not going to, going to. Even if they are, if they have one hundred fifty, if they spend one hundred fifty, this is, I think, the maximum. So what do you do? You know, you, you will have to do over two transfer windows to be able to sign three centre-backs of the kind of level that is good enough for Chelsea. Because I'm not saying like you and I can play centre-backs. You know, we're talking, like, we're talking Kunde and that kind of level. Players are 50, 60 million euros. You can't sign three. It's impossible. So you've got Shaloba and you've got Thiago and I guess Rich James can play there and that's it. You're Malang Sar. And Malang Sar. But I, as much as I love Malang, I'm not sure if yeah. Tuchel thinks he's... And if you move Reese James to centre back, then you have a hole at right back. Exactly. Unless they exactly. sign that dude, uh, Santa Claus or Santa whatever. Santa Claus, yeah. yeah. Which, again, you know. <laughs> Who's 29 much, years old? Yeah, you know. exactly. As much as I love him, he's no one for the future. And I don't think he starts to win you the Champions League and the Premier League either. So it's, it's tricky. So you'll have to make decisions. And maybe the best would be good two back four. You probably just need one centre back then. And, you, and, and that's, it, that, that's enough for that. And then you can think about midfield and you can think about. I don't know, Lewandowski, if you want up front and, and try to get someone who's not actually too expensive in a way. Lewandowski, that is a lot of money to commit when you, in a year's time you've got, because the other possibility is that Lukaku gets injured, he has a bad season, mm. Inter say thanks but no thanks, yeah. and then the Jude and his wages come back and next no one, season. No one else wants him. Because that's the thing, if he has a good season with Inter, you might have a Bayern Munich saying, okay, Lewandowski now is living on a free for sure, they've kept him. Hey, why don't we go for him or PSG? I don't know. Anyone, someone, if he has another really good season with Inter, maybe someone else will say, okay, we'll pay you the 50 million or 45 mm. or whatever, and then we take him on. But if but, he has a know, terrible season, at that that's point, gone. Even then, he's got to agree to it. This, yeah, is, the, this is the thing sure. that people don't understand, right? We talk about sell this guy, buy this. These are human beings. They get to decide where they go. Mm. So if there's a situation where, you know, somebody in the Gulf or somebody with a lot of money but that maybe isn't super attractive, Lukaku, Lukaku says, all right, well, I either try to force my way to stay at Inter or I go back to Chelsea yeah. and hang yeah. out and force my way into the side, wait for Tuchel to get sacked. I don't want to go to Al Saad or yeah, Al Garafa no, or whatever. You know, like, so it, it really ties your hands. On top of that, um, we've had conversation, uh, confirmation that Marina Granovskaya and Bruce Buck are going. Yeah. Um, I think this leads, leaves a massive hole. There's even, you know, people joke that Todd Bowley is the interim sports director. Um, I mean, I hope not. <laughs> well, certainly the way they worked. I mean, obviously, Peter Cech is the director yeah. of football, but on the money side, Marina was the negotiator. And I mean, 
she's had a remarkable impact on yeah. the club, right? Especially for somebody who never, ever speaks in public. Yeah. Um, she managed to come very close to balancing the books. She struck most of these deals, most of them favorable deals. Again, the Lukaku one, maybe not so much. But that's why, from the outside, I need to know who's responsible here. And I think yeah, that, yeah. Todd Bowley, more importantly than me, Todd Bowley needs to find out. Yeah, you need to find out and you need to figure this out. But And Marina made the deals happen the place she was told. She, she, she was she not the one the, say, yeah. yeah, She was not saying, oh, I like him. Let's go and sign him, you know, to be but, clear. Yeah. But obviously she had control of the budget and she, had, she was a great negotiator, which yeah. is why they generally, especially selling players, they generally got very good deals. Yeah. Um, she didn't need to be replaced. There's... Inevitably, Michael Edwards has been linked. There's a story in the Times. Yeah, very different profile. Again, that's why it was important to say what Marina was doing. Yeah, compared to Michael Edwards. I, Michael Edwards, for, again, for those who don't know, Michael Edwards was at Liverpool for ten years. He's widely credited for kind of putting all of this together for negotiating. Generally, very good. I was trying to think back. Which what bad signings has Michael Edwards made? Or have Liverpool made during Michael Edwards' tenure? People like Caius, you know, you can argue Minamino, those kind of guys, even Origi maybe. But they're not expensive deals, that's yeah. for sure, compared to what other What about players. the other Ben Davies? Ozan Kabak? Yeah. That was a loan. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 no, but some... <laughs> Certainly many more hits than misses, yeah, for right? Sure. Um, it's interesting. I think it was his farewell letter. He said, oh, you know... I only want a career for 10 years and I was going to switch careers. He certainly gave the impression that his next job was not going to be in football. Like in football or, or maybe not certainly not in that kind of role. Yeah. Equally if you're bold, you'd be stupid not to talk about talk to him 100%. and see like if you can get something done, right? 100%. Every club I said I said to PSG go and speak to him which I think they might have tried. It was just not I don't think that's what he wanted, but he might want Chelsea. Is it a bit weird to go from Liverpool to Chelsea though? It is a bit weird, and is it really a different challenge? Is it mm -hmm. if this is really what the guy wants? I don't know. Maybe he's like. But there's oh, a rebuilding job to do, which he likes clearly. There is a rebuilding job to do, and and you do have opportunities. Equally, though, I don't know. It could also be the, one of those cases where you know we see this when people retire, like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do something totally different, and then after two months, they're completely bored, going yeah, out of their minds, like, I need yeah, to get back yeah. into football. You know, get on the phone, hey Julian Ward, how about you wait a little while longer? Let me come back. You know, um, but I mean, is it fair to say that you should be concerned about Chelsea's summer transfers mm. because you've got? Well, first of all, Todd Bowley's not going to get a summer off. No, and secondly. Sure. You are hamstrung, and I think there's going to be financial fair play implications, Stefan. At some point, this is coming back, whether it's the Premier League or the mm. European ones. And you don't necessarily have the expertise there to deal with it like you did when Mourinho yeah. was there. And it's just the wrong time. And again, I know every club goes through these times where you have to think about rebuilding and the next cycle and all of that. And this is very much Chelsea's time, as we said, because of the centre-backs, because of the midfield, because of Lukaku and the forwards and all of that. And this is such the wrong time with Marina leaving, with the change of ownership, with you know potentially financial fair play, with the catastrophe that the Lukaku deal was. So because that that will weigh heavily on you all summer. That the the, the hundred million loss, you've just lost a hundred million pound basically, pretty much. It's 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 crazy, and it's so the wrong time because you've got so much work to do, and you don't really know who's in charge. I, I know Marina will stay until the end of the transfer window, but. It's not the same. I, I'm sure she would be committed, and she's obviously really hardworking and everything. But it's not. It's not the same. This is a terrible timing. Is so bad in here, and I think losing her as well 
you lose so much of a networking super talent because you know yes she was about the business side of it and balancing the books and the money and she was great at it but everybody knew her everybody everywhere knew her everybody had to deal with her at some point everybody was always positive about her it was great you know it, i think it's really rare especially for a woman in this industry to be so widely recognized and appreciated and respected and you lose that and whoever comes in it might be a great person who, with you know with a great cv and pedigree anything but i think by losing her you lose so much and and i don't know how you go and replace her for sure no question about that uh flipping it back to the inter angle um with lukaku back i mean i mm -hmm. i think if they could shift Jekko and his wages for a year, yeah, you know, there's enough. There's enough guys that if they can move them to a couple smaller deals, they may get away with not selling a big piece, yeah, or or at least not being in a situation where, yeah, if somebody comes along and gives you ninety million for Bastoni, of course, mm. you know, you know, choice, but. If somebody comes in and gives you fifty million for Bastoni, I'm hanging on to Bastoni. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, here, take Skriniar. Yeah, exactly. Um, Skriniar, who I feel has been linked with, <laughs> yeah, linked with everybody. being sold every year every for like year. the last three yeah, years. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to look at it from that perspective. But Simone Inzaghi has extended his deal now. Mm -hmm. um, are they favorites for the title next year? I think. I think. Just with Lukaku. Yeah, I think it's. So I said I said earlier they're they're better than last season I think are they better than two seasons ago when Conte was there when Eriksen was there when Hakimi was there I'm not sure they are at that level yet collectively I mean but if it clicks again and Inzaghi obviously had a different style of play than than Conte and I think the way they had the ball and the way they moved the ball was really really interesting you've lost Perisic but I think with Lukaku you gain the law and the Lukaku Lautaro partnership is going to just be reborn like this because they. I think they have that understanding. So I think they they will be favourite unless Milan are very clever in the transfer window and really strengthen when they should. I'm just not sure if you're Milan, you can win again with, with Giroud and Ibra up front, even if Leao is amazing, even if the collective is amazing, even if Menio and Theo and Tomori and all of that is great. I still think you need a couple of pieces there. You're forgetting Ivokoriji. <laughs> We back, and as you know, it's the last show of the season. Um, and Jules and I are both big NBA fans, and the NBA yeah. draft is tonight. So we're going to do a little thought experiment here, Jules. Let's we go. prepare this for you. Um, we're basically going to look at. We're going to have a, a mock draft or a Gab and a Gab and Jules draft, let's say, Perfect. of the top ten players. Um, who were born in the year 2000. So these are players who would, are all 21 or 22. Yeah. They're players who would be coming out of college into some hypothetical yeah. draft. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to match them up with teams. I know it would be cool, but it's just too complicated. Yes. You know, draft for need. So basically, we're all people who are drafting for talent and drafting for upside. Yes. Okay? Only players born in 2000. Here we go. Jules, you're going to get the first pick. I'll get two and three. Thank you get four, you five, much. and so on. So, with the number one pick in the 2022 Gab and Jules draft, Julian Lawrence selects 
Erling brought Haaland. All right, that's a real shock. Get in. <laughs> All right. I know there's talent in that generation, but he's right. the most talented. So come, come to me, Erling. Come to me. You and I, we're going to do great things. All right. I'm up. Yeah. And I'm proud to announce that with the second pick in the 2022 Gab and Jules draft, uh, Gab picks Phil Foden. Hey! No surprise there either. Yeah. And since I got the third pick as well, yes. with the third pick, I'm going to go with Vinicius <laughs> Jr. It's all chalk so far, Look, all obvious. I've, this is what I've, I've wrote down. This is where it gets interesting. I think there's a clear top three, yeah? This yeah, is where it gets interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So as my second pick, the fourth pick in the Gab and Jewel draft for this year 2022 and the 2000 generation, I pick Alfonso Davis. Fonzie! Fonzie, who, wow. you know, I know he had a little scare with his heart, but it's all good now. And he's the future. He's amazing. And also... He's a leader. I need leaders in my dressing room for that young generation. Interesting there. Not concerned at all, clearly, from some of his uh, uh, physical ailments. No, no. I believe uh, in you, Fonzie. All right. With the fifth pick. Yes. Where are you going? You know where I'm going. I'm going the best midfielder for the next 10 years in Aurelien Chouameni. All right. Okay. All right. You know what? I am not rattled at all. These are not, not the picks. I've got Holland, Davis, and Chouameni. So basically, the best in their positions. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one up you, because with a six pick in the 2022 Gab and Jules draft, yeah. Gab selects Mason Mount. Ah, How about that? No thanks. All right, okay, it's I'll amazing. Pass. I I 67 percent of the players I've picked so far are English. Yeah, what, what a I wouldn't have thought that. What a surprise. Okay, I'm looking at my big board. I'm looking at who's still on the board, and I noticed that. You took Holland. Yeah. I need my own big center forward. Fair enough. So with the number seven pick in the 2022 Gab and Jules draft, Gab picks. Duzan. Duzan yeah. Lovic. How about that? You know what? I would have I would have had him at my eighth picked pick if you hadn't picked him in seven. Yeah, well, I jumped so, ahead of you there. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with that. So this is my turn now. It's the eighth pick in our draft. And nice, interesting, because there's obviously the, the super, superstars have been taken pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you have to... Now be you a, can pick Wesley Fofana. You have to be more clever. He's on the list, you know? Mm -hmm. So is Sandro Tonali, by the way. But on this one, because every time I watch him, there's magic. Because I think I can make him more consistent. I think I can make, make him even more efficient. I'll go with Anthony. As my eighth pick. Ooh, Anthony from Ajax. Yes, because I think the talent is there. I think the personality is there. I think there's something very special in that player. So that's my, that's my pick. All right. And you also have the number nine pick. And my number nine, which you'll be happy because you can do the song, the famous song that you created for him, of course. I need a centre-back. <laughs> I need a left-footer because the left-footer centre-backs are the future in this game. Is na 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 Botman, Botman, Botman. Indeed, Botman is my ninth pick. All right, and rounding out the top ten, I was very tempted to go with Jonathan David, but then it occurred to me, two Canadians being picked in the top ten. Okay, 
Yeah, the world would just be turned in, upside down True. and inside out. True. So I'm going to go for my boy, Sandro oh, Tonali. Yes, yes. All right, here we go. So Team Jules, if you will, yeah. is Erling Braut Holland, Alfonso Davies, Aurelien Schuermeni, uh, Anthony, and Sven Botman. Team Gab, far superior in my opinion. <laughs> Phil Foden, Vinicius Jr., uh, Mason Mount, Dusan Vlaovic and Sandro Tonali. Feel free to get out there and yes. let us know which one of us had the better draft. All right, enough draft, Jules. How about some quick hits Let's instead? Go, guys. Actually, not quite enough draft because in tonight's NBA draft, yes. there's a decent chance. I am told that the Italian guy, Paolo Banquero, could be number one, which would mean number we would three. have... Number three, which is really good enough. For, for we'd me. have two top NBA June. draft picks, and, and hopefully does better than Andrea Bargnani. No disrespect, Andrea. No disrespect, but, you know, yeah. Whereas, France, how many number one picks have you had? Uh, we no. have the next one, next year. There you go, when there you go. Alright, the Sadio Mane deal is all done, Jules. Hassan Salihamidzic says the possibility of acquiring uh, him hadn't even crossed his mind until they sat down to discuss an extension with Serge Gnabry's agent, who, of course, Serge Gnabry Gnabry's agent also happens to be Sadio Mane's yes. agent. They then flew to Merseyside and spent four hours at his house to convince him. Does Brazo's version of events seem plausible to you? Not at all. I don't believe a second <laughs> of anything he said in that big interview. I think they thought about it. This is not something that you you think about at the end of June and then you do in two weeks. It's not possible. Oh, by the way, Brazo, I also yeah. represent Sadio Mane, and you, you know, know that, in his contract. That Senegalese guy, not bad on the wing. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. I'll send you some tapes. Come on, come on. This this was a long time coming. Uh, and it's, it's great. I'm not saying it's not good. It's good. But you don't need to come up with that kind of stuff. Even if you thought about it before, maybe even if you talk about him before or to him before, it's fine, it's fine. And Gab, if Oliver Kahn is to be believed, Mane will have company up front because the Bayern Sporting Director said again that Robert Lewandowski is not going anywhere. I'll say this for Bayern, they're consistent and I applaud it sure. and it's a hard line. Um, and as we've said before, I'm not sure where Lewandowski can go. Yeah. Not that many places. Very yeah, that's expensive. True. That's true. Uh, and it's also funny that, you know, there's those numbers thrown around. It went from 15 million to 25 million. Then people are saying, oh, Lewandowski would cost 50 million. Yeah. Yeah, 50 million. Come on, yeah. man. Ask reporter Manu Sainz, who is generally very close to Jesse Foot, George Mendes' ag uh, agency, and George Mendes, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, yeah. said he is, says Cristiano is, quote, worried about Manchester United's transfer strategy. Jules, every United fan, I think, is worried. <laughs> but so. It's more relevant that he would put this out there. There's no way he writes this without yeah. the green light from George Mendes, right? Yeah, which I'm, I've, I find hard to understand the logic behind it. Why would you put that kind of pressure on United now? The, the, we said the transfer window is open not that long ago. They're clearly trying to do the young deal or Alessandro Martinez or whatever deal they want to do. Ten Hag is clearly finding his feet at the club. Give them a bit of time. If it, were, if it was August 15th and they had signed you and me, then I would say, okay. Should we read this, like though, that. in the context of let's put Ronaldo more in the conversation, let's yeah, put the name out there in case there. somebody else might have a better deal, yeah. maybe Ten Hag's like, I don't mind if, yeah. you know. That's maybe more the case than yeah. anything else. Former Barcelona director and presidential candidate Tony Frexcha uh, is really party pooper, Gab. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's getting all excited about the new deals that you know they voted on and now yes. that they're allowed to strike. And by the way, they haven't struck them yet, but um, they're close, certainly as far as the TV deal is concerned. He goes out and he puts out a tweet. He puts out a tweet. He says, like, 
You guys do know that Lewandowski, Jules Koundé, <laughs> no, Rafinha, no, no, Bernardo Silva, no. none of these guys are none coming, right? None of them. Uh, um, he's talking numbers, and the reality is I don't know why people I, – I mean, it gets to the point where you know, Rafinha like, hawked everybody 60 million here and there. These are real numbers that Barcelona have to deal with. They're working to try to fix it. But why create this expectation? I I don't get it. In that sense, he's right. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Paris Saint-Germain big boss uh, Nasser Al-Khalifi gave an interview to Gazette lo Sport. He said three things. And personally, I think (laughs) only one of these three things is true. 100% true, but only one of them is true. Let's see. See if you can guess which one, Jules. He said, quote, Paris Saint-Germain never spoke to Zidane. Not true. true or false? Okay. <laughs> Number two, Real Madrid offered Mbappe for more, far more than Paris Saint-Germain did. Not true. Number three, a World Cup without Italy is like a cappuccino without the coffee in it. True. There you go. Hey. One out of three, Nasser. Oh, Nasser. Come on. Got to love that. You got to love that. Eight members of Diego Maradona's medical staff have been charged in Argentina, Gap, for not providing adequate care in his final days. This is a horrible story. It's a horrible story for, obviously, the way it ended. Um you know, whenever it comes to doctors providing care from the outside, you go back, you look, you have an inquest. It's always incredibly mm. uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. I think all the family wants is justice and clarity about what happened. And hopefully they get that. Jules, the inquiry into what happened at the Champions League final also continues. French senators aren't happy and they're asking real questions about the police. Yes, they are. But the police, uh, this, the, the commission now, the, you know, they have like a senator commission, uh, like, a bit like you have in England as well. And they... They're starting to really, one, get frustrated, and two, starting to understand how much of a car crash this was. Uh, the police, you're right, but also the French Federation. Remember, I've, I've told you a few weeks ago how lightly I thought they were getting away with this, considering they were supposed to organize mm. security and everything. And now people are starting asking real questions and, and, and also asking for, for answers from the French Federation, who I think could be in big trouble. Noël Legrade, the head of the French FA, I think could be and should be in big trouble. Paulo Dybala is still a free agent gap somehow. It seems that the only offer he has on the table right now is one from Sevilla for 3 million euros net a year, which is less than a third of what he wanted from Juventus and much less than what Juventus were ready to offer him anyway. Yeah, so I hate to say I told you so, but once in a while, I I get things wrong and people point them out and like, oh, like climb, whatever. Yeah, I, I think... Juventus got this right. You know, Dybala's people, Dybala's agent is a friend of his dad's, is a guy who runs a car dealership in Argentina, right? He doesn't necessarily have the expertise, the gauging, doesn't have the BS detector that others normally have. And maybe he really thought there was a whole bunch of teams that would offer him, you know, 10 million euros net a season, which, you know, is roughly 300,000 pounds a week, if that's how you count things. And now Juve says, no, you're not worth this eight million plus two million net that you know you thought you had. You're gonna to have to take less money. And he says, okay, fine. Well, I'll go get the money from Inter. Inter, I think that door is closing now because yeah. if they get Lukaku, they got Mkhitaryan as well. They still have Correa and Jaco yeah. and obviously Lautaro. That door is closed. Yeah. And now Sevilla and Monchi tries to pull a Monchi yeah. popping up and saying, like, hey. so clever. Hey, look, I give you five <laughs> quid. Come yeah. over. Um, I feel bad for him. I don't. I, Why do I you feel, feel bad for him? Okay. I feel a little bad for him because he's a talented player who deserves a big stage. It's his fault. But yeah, he's not being very clever about this. Sebastian Aller's deal with Borussia Dortmund is done, Jules. It's a four-year deal for 35 million euros, taking him up to the age of 32. Yeah. Does this move the needle? 
I will see if it's the one from Ajax, yeah. If it's the one from West Ham, no. If no, it's the okay. one from Frankfurt, yes. Are we I think, okay? Let me let me put ask this in a different way, right? You take away Erling Holland and yeah, but no hang one. On. Will, you take away Erling Holland and Marco Rosa. You add Edin Terzic, yeah. Adeyemi, yeah. and Allaire and Rom and Schlotterbeck. Meh. Are they going to be better because they challenge Bayern? They've been very good in their recruitment so far. If you add uh, David Rome to play on the left-hand side, he's going to be good. Then I would want to see. But every year, it's the same guy for the last 10 years. Ago. Yes, this year, they can do it. Then we get to the Classica and then they're smashed by Bayern. So we'll, right. we'll see. But I hope for Ale it works out. The Premier League will lose four experienced referees, Gab, this summer. In addition to Mike Dean, Martin Atkinson and John Moss, Kevin Friend is also re retiring. Are you concerned? So first of all, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I think this is a good thing. I only think Me one too. of those four people was a good referee in his yeah. prime. None <laughs> of them were in the prime. Premier League, they, they don't. They they need new blood. They need yeah. to find new people. And I think this gives you this gives you opportunities to grow. Completely. I don't think these guys, frankly, are going to be missed. It's not just Gabriel Jesus. Arsenal continue to be linked with Rafinha, yeah. who um, I feel. I honestly, I think everybody's got, he's got a big for sale tattoo on his head. Jules, <laughs> more wingers for Arsenal. Great. <laughs> Yeah, you don't like too many number 10s, you don't like too many wingers. I think Rafinha will still be a great addition to the squad. Yeah, sure. Like Gabriel Jesus as well, the negotiation continues. Let's see if it goes through. I think Gabriel Jesus will be done very soon. Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis has been investigated for false accounting over the signing of Victor Oziman from Lille. Okay, Jules, I get, to, I get asked the story. So I'm going to try to break this down. Yeah, this is not new, by the way. Yeah, yeah this is not new. This is... Okay, so Victor Oziman was at Lille. And what happened was, at the time, Leo uh, was, was run by Gerard Lopez, who has since left the club in very acrimonious circumstances. Yeah. Obviously, now Bordeaux, who've been gone away on third division. Um, and the club and Leo are the subject of an investigation into fraud. And it's, a, it's an investigation that's being pushed by Leo's current owners, that's Merlin. Right. Because uh, they kind of wanted looking through the books and seeing what went on. Luis Campos, by the way, a big consultant at Lille yeah, as well. Yeah, was there? Um, then left left before you know some of this stuff happened. Yeah. So, so Osimen, if you look on paper, you notice that Osimen left officially. What we all reported, Osimen moves to Napoli for seventy million euros, plus up to ten million in bonuses. And you dig a little deeper, and you find out that. Uh, 19.8 million wasn't cash, but it was four players being sold concurrently to Lille. Of these four from players Napoli, yeah, from Napoli, Napoli, yeah. So these four players, one is Orestes Carnesi's longtime reserve goalkeeper, um, who's in his mid-30s, he's Greek, for 4.8 million. Then you had Palmieri, former Chelsea youth team player, 7 million euros, who yeah. now plays non-league football. Uh, this other guy, Manzi, 4 million euros, who's now in the third division, and Sadek Liguori, 4 million, who's now in non-league football. All of them were Napoli youth team players. All of them were sold to Lille. Palmieri gave an interview, said, oh, I've never even been to Lille. They were immediately loaned back to Napoli, who then sent them on to, yeah. to different places. So somebody might be asking, well, why would Lille do this? And the argument is that, from Lille's perspective, and they want to do this because they wanted to show how much their assets were worth. Um, I mean, I think this is kind of the thesis of the prosecution. Yeah. We want to show, oh, look, 
You know, we sold Pepe for $80 million. We sold Osimhen, similar amount. Um, we can generate this money every year. This is how much our squad is worth. Yeah. I think that was important to keep certain credit lines Yeah, this, the business plan. So look at that business plan. At the same time, from Napoli's perspective, um, these guys are youth players. So I can pretend that Palmieri's worth $7 million, even though he's frankly worth zero Seven euros <laughs> yeah exactly um so you get them you send them back then the contracts expire and they move on and it seems weird that inflating a transfer value like this uh would would make sense um but in the end accounting wise if you're if yeah. you're napoli because you book the um because you spread the amortization over the life of the contract and because you book the cost when you sell a player straight away you know this deal on paper cost Napoli very little, yeah. which makes it an even better deal when they then sell them for $100 million or whatever it is this summer. So I, this is stuff they're looking at. Like I said this before. We need more transparency, more oversight. Yeah. There you go. You wanted a long-winded Leo Lossiman <laughs> explanation. Here this is why it. stuff happens. And again, we need more oversight, more transparency. I'll never be tired of saying this. You guys have no idea what kind of shenanigans go on. Yeah, yeah. that's true. After years of Jean-Michel uh, Ola, well, I guess it must be getting yes. older now. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's a new owner at Lyon, John Texter. Uh, he seems to be buying chunks of clubs across Europe. He's got a chunk of Crystal Palace. He's he got was... 40% at Crystal Palace. He's got Botafogo. He's got Molenbeek as well in Belgium. And now he's got 60%. At Lyon, he's saying that Olas will stay as the, the president, as the chairman. Is this because Olas is getting on now? No, it's the, the partners that he had in the company, uh, Sedu and another company have sold. They wanted out, so they sold. I don't think Olas could, could buy them out. I think it's around 600 million euros. Uh, so Texto has, has arrived, said the right things, as often when you've got a new, you know, I think he's a very intelligent guy. I think he's, he likes football. He's been involved even in the 80s. He, like, he had like kind of football academies, camps, that kind of stuff. Um, I think in the years been at Crystal Palace, we've seen the improvement and we've seen the changes. So I, I think the, Lille, the, the Lyon fans should not be too skeptical, maybe at the beginning, certainly. I, I don't know that you give Texture the credit for Crystal Palace when well, you know, Steve Parrish runs a club. I and know, you've got David still, Blitzer and Harris there. And yeah, true. But they're the still, main guys, but yeah. He's still have 40% of the club. So, you know, he's still part of this, you know, the, the, the new turn that the, the, the Crystal Palace has well, taken. So it'd be very interesting to see what he does. Well, what I'm curious to know is obviously women's football's grown and Olympique Lyonnais has been a big part of it. They yeah. also have the oil rain as well yeah. in NWSL. Has he, is he going to, and Olas always very committed mm. to the women's game, uh, you know, even making losses, because let's face it, women's yeah, game generally makes yeah. losses, right? Yeah. Um, is Texter going to, has he given any indication about whether he's going to I maintain that so. commitment? But so, yeah, I think certainly this is the idea. I think Olas would have made sure that um, whoever come, they had, there was three American potential buyers. Uh, one was Gillette's sons uh, and George Gillette Jr.'s yeah, sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his first? Name? I can't even remember his first name. Man, I hope they got on the phone with the Spirit of Shankly guys and <laughs> says, uh, uh, "We don't." Uh, uh, not them. They could not give any, bring any, uh, you know, guarantees anyway on the on yeah, the. That deal, sounds so. familiar, doesn't sounds it? Familiar. Going back to Gillette and Hicks. Uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised, but um, yeah, you would think that. This is this is not a time. I think it's, it's time to make this team better and the, the club stronger, but not to change everything. Right. Especially not the women's team who's been, like she said, so successful. So let's let's hope that it, you know it keeps the same direction at least. 
Rosario Central have a new manager and it's Carlos Tevez. Gab, can you see him on the bench patiently giving instructions, not really arguing with the referee or anyone else? <laughs> you know, it feels like only last week when we were celebrating his career and his retirement. Yeah. Now we know why he's retiring. Um, interesting to go to Rosario because he's not from Rosario. No. I mean, not that you can't go there. Yeah, but yeah of course. There's enough teams in Buenos Aires. I thought, think but so, but... Good for him. I mean, you know, a lot of times unconventional people who you could I never know, see I want managers, him to do well. you know, work out. So, yeah. Lons have signed former New England Revolution striker Adam Buxa, Polish international, for ten million dollars. Um, I think there's, there's two elements here which I think are interesting. One yeah. is you can tell me how he's going to impact Lons and help them into the Champions yeah. League. But he's 25 years old. He moved to MLS when he was 22. An unconventional choice, right? MLS keeps saying, oh, we're signing young stars. No, you signed some dude from Poland nobody would ever heard of. Yeah. He does well. And then New really Rev Revs sell him for more than twice what they signed for him. Because this kind of could this potentially new model for, for MLS? Yeah, I think it sh should be, certainly, especially for younger pl young players or youngish players, if you want, that will take time to develop in MLS. And again, we go back to this. This is, this is a good league. It's a good league when you want your development like that. And clearly, more and more European clubs in the big five leagues are looking at what happens in MLS. Certainly for Lens, which is a club that I know really well, they were very impressed with his numbers. They've been following him for a long time. And he ticked a lot of the boxes of what they wanted to replace Calumendo and the strikers that they have right now. And I, I really expect, I really hope that he does well in France. I think he's got everything to do well in Ligue 1. And then again, that could be the next sort of the, the next step to maybe go then to an even better club and even bigger league. So I, I, I really like this deal, I have to say. Ligue 1, your new home for Polish strikers. Yeah. You got Arik Milik, Buxa, and soon Lewandowski, Paris Saint-Germain. According to reports in England, Alan Saint-Maximin Gap could be sold because Newcastle are reluctant to, break, to bring sorry, their wage structure to keep him. Gab, I thought they had all the money in the world so they could be able to do this. I find this story very interesting. So from the, from the outside, what it looks to me is and it's time for Alan St. Maximin to get a new contract and his agents, you know, go and ask for money. Maybe that's for too much and Newcastle put the word out. Uh-uh, we still have standards. It's interesting, we've always wondered, right, when, when they were taken over by, by this new Saudi ownership, this idea was, ah, look, it's a new, it's a new Manchester City, yes. new PSG, they're going to throw money around. They haven't thrown money around. I mean, they've spent some money. Yeah. Not yet. And I always wondered, PIF, it's slightly different. This is, this is the public investment fund in Saudi Arabia. They've been successful. They have real people running it. This is not something that's a vanity project. They invest yeah. in a lot of, they have a lot of money. They invest in a lot of tech. They invest in a lot of stuff. They look for a return. And that's why, and I've said this before, I was always very skeptical when people say, oh, it's just a big Saudi sports washing thing. It's like live golf or whatever. In some ways, could be that. In could other be. ways, it didn't feel that way to me because if you're going to do that, and I say it's all due respect to Newcastle, you're not going to buy Newcastle. You're going to buy someplace much more high profile yeah. when you're in the Champions League straight away, um, you know, pretty much every year, guaranteed. You don't have the same level of, you know, why did Paris Saint-Germain make sense, right? Because it's freaking Paris. Yeah. People are going to come there all the time. You're in the Champions League every year. You know, you've got a big audience. Yeah. Newcastle have to compete with the big six, with all these other teams. Um, I think they bought Newcastle because he saw the potential, because it's not a lot of money, 300 million, right? Mm -hmm. Why do they need to get different partners in? Because they said, all right, we want to spend this much, but not that much. Yeah. And if this, if, this, if this is an indication that Newcastle are going to be run 
as a real football club, as a business, hitting targets, having cash available, mm-hmm. but not going out and chucking money around. I think this is good for the Premier League, and I think this is good for Newcastle. Yeah. Even with all my reservations, as you know, about sovereign wealth funds buying football clubs, it's not something I think they should be allowed to do. No. But if they're going to run it as a real business, you know, I think it's a positive. And this is Dan Ashworth's first big task on his hands since you know being the sporting director in Newcastle. What to do then with Sam Maximan? Do you give him the contract that you want? Don't you? Do you sell him now? He still has a few more years, so you don't need to sell now, I guess. But yeah, it's going to be, you know... Big debut for him. Ryan Giggs has finally resigned as manager of Wales, which means your man will no longer be interim manager, whatever he was. Rob Page, yeah. Yeah, Rob Page. I, why did it take this long for him to resign? I, I've got no idea, Gab. I think well, we've it, said it before. Should we say the background were, to this? He's, yeah. he's been charged, charged yeah. with assault. He's waiting assault, for a court date. Yeah. Obviously, while he's been charged, he's not, you know, he's not on bail, but he's not, he can't manage yeah. Wales. Um, there was a presumption of, of innocence, of course. Uh, maybe that's why it took so long. I'm not really sure. I mean, th- this date for the trial is be taking forever, it seems, as well. So that, I don't think that helped. Uh, but this, 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 this is normal. This makes a lot of sense. It should have been done, I think, a long time ago. And whether Rob Page was doing a good job, which he is or not, it didn't even matter. Ryan Giggs could not, could not, take over, could not come back to being the manager I'm assuming of he was suspended without, he was, we yeah, he weren't was paying him. Yeah, and they weren't paying him any money, I right? Well, I hope not. I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, so maybe they finally said to him, listen, you not, now you have to resign. Maybe they've been telling him you have to resign and he didn't want to do it. And he was still, I guess, free to do it or not. Now that he's done, finally, and then you can move on and focus on Rob Page and the great work that he's doing in the World Cup for this, this golden generation. So this is, I think this is a good thing in the end. PSG are paying some 20 million euros work club in compensation to get rid of Marshall Pochettino and his staff and they also have to pay compensation to Nice for Christophe Galtier which uh, they've, they've found an agreement now How much is it? Around 10 million probably, oh a little God. bit less maybe What is this thing you put there? FFP? The, I don't know Why should I be worried about I don't even know what FFP is uh, PSG got a job with FFP three uh, times already uh, like, I just want to put this in context. Remember Julian Nagelsmann moving and Bayern spending that huge amount? 25, so people, yeah. People said 25 and Bayern said, nine is less, blah, blah, blah. That's freaking Nagelsmann, okay? Yeah. That's Julian that's, J. Nagelsmann, yes. right? And now it's 30 million effectively well, being yeah, spent on Christoph Kolke. Not quite the same. I don't, I mean, I don't get, get it. I, I don't, all right, financial fair play, you know, at some point, UEFA are going to have to decide we're either enforcing the rules or we're not enforcing the rules. I'll tell you what. You want to make the Super League go away? Enforce cost controls. Figure out a way to do it. Get the yeah. best lawyers. Get the politicians to rewrite legislation so that you can't go to courts and have little little Muppet scumbags come out and say, no, well, based on this, the statute of limitations, using the yeah. law for something that's not meant, that it's not you meant know, for, like, fine. Otherwise, give up and accept the Super League. Because we- I... We should do gardening leave in France as well for managers, like you do in Italy. You can have five managers instead of like paying, you know, paying them off all the time. You just keep them until they have another job, and you know, and at least they don't have to. I don't understand why they didn't million. do that. Like, why not just keep paying Pochettino? So no, I don't. Think, and then saying, I'm "Hey, sure Poch, you allowed in France?" I don't know. I don't. I don't. I really the answer right. is that I don't know if you can do it. If they don't want to do it, it's certainly not in our culture. As in, like you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's been done before. Well, maybe because if you keep paying Pochettino, 
And then, you know, in six months, Manchester United sacked Ten Hag, let's say. Hypothetically, yeah. not yeah. sorry, Eric, I'm not saying you're in a sack. And then they move for Pochettino. Then he's still under contract with Paris Saint-Germain. And so at least you let him go and you're not paying him 20 million. Yeah. And maybe yeah, you no, can even ask do. Manchester United for some money. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, whatever. I don't know. Speaking of Gaultier, Lucien Favre seems to be the man tipped to replace him at Nice. Good he choice, is. Jules. He is, but remember he had two really good seasons. Well, yeah, two years before, 16 to 18. He had one good season in one. One, yeah, yeah. One really good, that team with Balotelli, with Belanda, with Ben Arfa. Was Could amazing. a team with Super Mario not be good? And he was playing so well and scoring so many goals. It was, it was fascinating to watch. They were winter champions. They, then they, they didn't win the title, but they were so good to watch. Second season was more difficult, as often with, with our friend Lucien. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I think he knows the club well. He gets on very well with the, with the president and with the sporting director, Julien Fournier. So that makes sense. You know, I'm never keen on going back and have second stint or third and that kind of stuff. So we'll Unless have to it's see. Unless it's right? Unless he's allowed to. Of course, he's allowed. Samuel Leto has been sentenced to 22 months in prison in Spain for tax evasion, Gab. But he won't serve any time, right? We won't. No, he's not. Because in Spain, if you're convicted of a nonviolent uh, offense and you're a first-time offender and your sentence is less than two years, you don't actually go to prison. Um, that said, he's got to pay back 4 million euros in back taxes. It's interesting. Spain, they started about 10 years ago. They've had this very aggressive policy yeah. to go after famous people, high-profile people, whether it's actors, whether it's athletes, um, over their back taxes. Because, you know, again, there's lawyers who go out and say, oh, let's exploit this loophole. Let's put this company in Malta with a subsidiary in the Cayman Islands and we'll put this in your dad's name. And it's all gray area stuff. It's called tax avoidance, which yeah. is not illegal. Tax evasion is illegal. And these are gray areas. Cristiano Ronaldo went through it. George Mendes went through it. Lionel Messi went through it. Um, and they sit and they argue in court. And then eventually people say, all right, fine. Let's settle. I'll pay you the pay you the four million euros, and you give me the suspended sentence, which means I never go to prison, mm. and it's done. It's debatable, but I think, given especially in these times, people hate the idea of really wealthy people not paying taxes, you know, or paying less taxes than they should be due. Um, Sven Bobman, we yeah. need to raise the last show. Come on. We, we got to bring him up. We had him before in our draft. We're going to bring up Sven Bobman. We're going to bring up the only living sword loss in captivity. Come on, man. Na 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 Come on. What, what, what's happening here? I'm, I don't know anymore. Lee, I don't know. Newcastle, sure no? Yeah, I mean, there are clubs that I don't know why this is still taking so long. Maybe because <laughs> they're waiting for Milan to make a good offer. They're not completely happy with Newcastle, who've made an offer. I'm not sure. And for, for Solos, well. <laughs> All right. Solos, we can leave. Yeah, we can leave it. I go back to this. You love Botman. Scouts love Botman. Why does it feel like there's only know. two teams in the world? Like, I wonder about this, right? Could if Manchester you were Chelsea, I would go for him. Right. Could Manchester United use another center half? 100%. Right? Uh, could yeah. Eric Ten Hag converse with Sven Botman in his native tongue? Basically, yes, they're both market center back. I don't understand why Pau Torres is the same. Why is Pau Torres not, has, has not moved yet? No, but, 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 but at least... Screenier and Pau Torres and, and Jukun, they get linked with 20 different clubs. Yeah, true, true. This guy, it's been going on for a <laughs> year, and it's the same two clubs. It's hilarious, isn't know. it? It's, it's, it's funny, it's I, funny. Uh, there's another defender that could be moving this summer. It's uh, Marco Curella, with reports saying that he's agreed terms with Manchester City. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of makes sense. Obviously, in that role, you're going to have... 
you know, Zin, you know, Walker's not getting younger. Zinchenko's possibly moving on. Yeah, Cancelo. Benjamin Mendy, if when he moves on, yeah. he's not going to move on any place that he can help. So it makes sense. Um, he obviously had a very good season last year, and obviously with his with his background, you, you would imagine he could fit in. What I'm not. I think a lot is going to come down to price, and the price is quoted um, mm. about whether it's a good deal. But obviously, this is going to be a player that he's such I a pet player as well. He, he's very much yeah. a pet player, and you know what? And he brings a quality with the intensity. Yeah, exactly. You know, probably more so than than Zinchenko. Yeah, you're right. That's very true. Um, I got to ask you about this, Enzo Fernandez. Oh, what an exciting deal this morning on Thursday morning. That was announced by Benfica from River, such a talented young Argentine player. I think it's a really good move from Benfica, 10 million plus 8 million uh, of add-ons, you know, with different bonuses and everything. I'm very excited to see him. I think, again, this is a, a nice pathway to go from, from River and Argentina to Benfica and the Portuguese list first, and then maybe you see how, how higher you can go. I think, I think Benfica fans can be very excited and even you know, foot, European football fans in general, because it's good to have someone like him in Europe. What, what I don't follow about this, and I genuinely don't know, I was going to make some calls about this just to try to get a sense, is it seems that there's a direct pathway from a lot of times from Argentina, we saw it before with Di Maria mm -hmm. as well, and, uh, and especially from, from Brazil, to Portugal, usually two clubs in Portugal, usually with the same agents involved all the time. Yeah. Why? Like, like, why couldn't Leipzig go and get him? Why, why, why couldn't Manchester United go and get him? Like, I, I think maybe the the heritage, as you said. I think they know in Argentina. They, 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 they don't speak Portuguese in Argentina. Like, no, no, they, they don't. But, but you know, you know, this pathway has worked. It's worked before for so many players that you follow the same. Maybe it's good to the Portuguese league is a good is a good starting league in Europe when you come from South, South America as well, which I think is true. You know, for the climate, for the style of football, the language is still not too different between Spanish and, and Portuguese. But certainly if you're Brazilian, it makes I'm not sure the climate sense. in Lisbon and the climate in Buenos Aires necessarily. But no, but still, you know, like it's, they, I think they, yeah, it's better than, they have, we have they have no, it's better than arriving in East Germany, like, you know, when you're 20, <laughs> suddenly, you know, like, do you see what I mean? Right. So, Maybe more appeal than Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. But it does feel as if this happens time and again. And maybe yeah. this can be a good Gab and Jules meets for next season because I, I still don't understand. If you look, Portugal is such a weird animal in the sense mm. that they export more players than anybody else in Europe or, or, or close to the top. They have, but then they bring in so many gifted foreign players and then they all sell them on for so much money. Yeah. And it's, it's not a big country. It seems counterintuitive what they do they do exceptionally well yeah, I think we can clear. agree on that it's, yeah it's clear it's clear it's been a lot of time since we talked about Valencia Gab and the new Mestalla well new as in it might <laughs> be new one day but at least they're starting again work on the stadium yeah Peter Lim found some money to go and build something in that club <laughs> uh, like this has been ongoing for so long I yeah. think I the, this whole project from the point that you know it reminded me that there, there's an episode of uh of, of the simpsons where like mr burns like realizes that he's going to build some sort of giant um like a giant dome over springfield so he can block out the sun or whatever and the, the new mistaya was going to rise so high to, to block out the sun they get stuck i like if there's a business case to be made, yeah. if this is going to help the club generate more revenue, if yeah. the fans are there. But I'll tell you what, the fans are going to be there if they appreciate what Peter Lim is doing. If they mm. continue to think that, you know, 
Peter Lim is simply there because he's stubborn and they all want him gone. Not so much. Yeah. It's not going to help. Then at that point, invest in the squad. Uh, like I said, I don't want to be 100% negative. And Peter, no, you no, have no. a standing invitation to come on the Gavin Jules Meets podcast and you can tell us what the heck you're doing with this football club, what the plan is. Because I'll tell you what, I do not understand it. And I think Valencia fans, and I know Valencia fans, a little bit like Roma fans, they can be a massive pain in the backside because, you know, they think that, oh, but we're we're massive. We're as big as Real Madrid and Manchester United and Juventus. You're not. Yeah. But equally, they deserve better better, treatment than they've had over the last six, seven years. So, um, So, yeah, if this helps, I'm all for it. Gareth Bale was spotted at Cardiff's training ground, Jules. Do you think he was just visiting friends, maybe seeing if he could get some free gear, or yeah. is he really headed to the championship? I don't think he's it's, uh, it's a done deal yet with Cardiff. I think he's one of the clubs that are keen on, on having him, uh, and I think he visited the training ground, spoke to Steve Morrison, the manager, to... Steve to Mor- this the- is the Steve Morrison who misspells his last name, right? Who... The, play, the former player, yeah. Yeah, with like so, one S. Yeah. And one, sorry, yeah. one R, two yeah, what, S's or something No, like it's that? a... Well, or the other one? It's, it's an... You know I actually misspell it, Steve, if you're watching. Just an unconventional spelling. And yeah, or different maybe than other Morrisons. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I still think... Different from the supermarket. Yeah, I, I still think this is... This makes a lot of sense. He might not end up there. I would love him to go there, of course, considering, uh, you know, my wife's family's attachment to Cardiff City Football Club. So... It would be great, but he might have other options. I don't, I don't know what he has, really. I, I don't know what make, he wants. I will not make any golf jokes. Okay. Kevin prince Burton has signed a new one-year deal at Erta Berlin. Gav, you must be excited. I am. It's so sweet. He goes to Monza in the second division, and <gasps> last year he came on. He started some games. He's 35 years old. Listen, Kevin prince Boateng is the second-best rapping footballer in okay. history. I thought he was going to say the second-best Boateng out there. Well, I refer you back to what Sammy Kadira told us when he That's sat true. down with us for Gavin Jules meets um, that Kevin Prince Boateng was by far the best player he'd ever seen with when he yeah, was 15 yeah. years old. So yeah. something like it's nice to have him around. There's something about guys who are so talented and the career kind of goes this way mm. and that. And then at the end, you know, they can tell the clock is ticking sand through the hourglass <laughs> And they want to make it count. So good luck to him. Yeah. Of course, a bit of a zoo of a club, but, you know, that yeah, makes it all the more that, colorful. So yeah, he's still in the Bundesliga. Jules, this brings us to an end. I think we need to take a bit of a break now yes. because it's a summer. We're both going to go on holiday. Uh, we're going to be back at the beginning of August. In the meantime, to keep you entertained, we have a whole selection of Gab and Jules meets. We've spoken to Slatan Ibrahimovic, to Victor Montagliani, to Sami Kadira. Long form podcast. Go and check them out. They're not time sensitive. We have another one coming out, by the yes. way, uh, with Greg Berhalter, right. 3G US men's national team really coach. Going to have the youngest team at the World Cup of 2022. That should drop very, very shortly. Do check that out. See you in early August, Jules. Yes. Until then, everybody, love the game. Love yourself. No, I said it wrong. It's the last show. This is just talking. Here we go. Here we go. Love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.